0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting
1: a series of programs on the subject of Once Saved, Always Saved, and this program is a continuation of the previous program where I gave a definition of the gospel. I am approaching this subject not by trying to simply collect a number of verses in the scriptures that supports the view that I have concerning salvation, but instead, what I did in the previous program was I gave a definition of salvation. I'm taking the position that if a person has a clear definition of what salvation is, then they will be able to answer the question of if a person is saved, will they always be saved? Can a person lose their salvation or not? I'm taking the position that certain truths will be declared through a definition of the gospel. It's important to understand that there are many different definitions for the gospel, that people have different ideas concerning what the gospel is. I say that because I've asked people, I've asked a lot of people, how would you describe the gospel? And I get a number of different answers. I get many different answers. There are some answers that I receive more often than others. But the important thing that I want you to recognize is that there are different opinions concerning what the gospel is. And so when two people have a discussion about can a person lose their salvation or not, If they have different opinions, if they have different beliefs concerning what the gospel is, you should expect them to have different answers to this question. You should expect that they will not agree only because their gospel, their fundamental beliefs concerning what salvation is, will affect, will effectively define, will declare what their answers will be when it comes to subjects such as can a person lose their salvation or not. So in the previous program, I took the time to give an explanation of what I believe the gospel is. For the sake of time, I certainly cannot repeat that in this program if I'm going to proceed. Instead, what I can do is I can summarize that I believe the gospel has to do with sin and spiritual death That's the bad news. And then the gospel, with regards to the good news, is forgiveness for the sin and the restoration of the Holy Spirit, the restoration of life that was lost in Adam. That's the summary that I can give in this program, and then I have to proceed from here for the sake of time. If you did not hear the previous program, go to the radio archive and you can hear the previous program or listen to the program that I produced on What is the Gospel?, Listen to the programs that I produced on forgiveness. I explained the gospel in the first program in that series, the series on forgiveness. I talk about it in many of my programs, and so please do take the time to listen to the respective programs in the radio archive in order to get a better understanding of where I'm coming from when I give the explanations that I give in these programs. Now, in the previous program, I explained that there are two questions that can be asked that will summarize The debate that usually takes place. The first question is, will God reject a person? Will he reject them? Will he take their salvation away? And then the second question is, will a person lose their salvation if they willfully choose to reject their God? So either God will reject us or we will reject him. Can this take place after a person has been saved? Now, according to the definition of the gospel that I gave, it's not possible for God to reject an individual and revoke their salvation because it would require Him to hold their sins against them. And I believe that He will not hold anyone's sins against them because of what He accomplished on the cross. The decision concerning salvation will be a decision based on a person's accepting the provision of forgiveness but for the purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit that was lost in Adam. Forgiveness is what makes it possible for the Holy Spirit to remain within an individual, because according to the law of sin and death, if you sin, you die. But according to the gospel, according to what God has proclaimed concerning the gospel, I don't see any evidence that the Lord will withdraw His Holy Spirit from anyone that He gives it to. Now having said all of that, I would like to add in this program, I would like to add the point that I believe that our God is a good judge of character and that he has established clear criteria that he uses in order to determine if he is going to save anyone at all. I do not believe that he will resurrect an individual just because they proclaim that they recognize the forgiveness that He has offered, and they proclaim that they are willing to receive the Holy Spirit that He is offering to them, I personally believe that He will closely examine the condition of the heart of the individual to determine their degree of repentance, to determine their real interests, to determine to what degree they are well-intentioned concerning entering into the new covenant by surrendering to what the Lord has provided in light of their condition. I really do believe that God can be very successful in determining whether a person is truly seeking to know him or not. And I do not believe that he will resurrect an individual, that he will save an individual who does not meet the criteria that I've just described. In other words, I don't think that he's going to save a person who doesn't really want to be saved, according to the criteria that he has established. On that basis, I feel very comfortable in saying that he will not give salvation to an individual who he suspects he's going to have to take it from in the future, if that was something that he would do. Likewise, when it comes to the issue of will a person reject God or not, can they willfully commit spiritual suicide, as I explained in the previous program, is God incapable of recognizing that an individual is in that kind of a condition? Would he really save someone? Would he restore the Holy Spirit to an individual who he foresees would turn away from him to that extent in the future? I don't think that God has a problem making decisions like this. I really don't. Now in the previous program, I explained that of those people who I have encountered, who have turned away from the faith, who once identified themselves as a Christian and rejected Christianity at some point later in the future, I have made a point to speak with people like this. Of those who I have spoken with, I have always asked the same question, as I mentioned in the previous program. I asked them, what was your understanding of the gospel? What did it mean to be a Christian to you? And I've never encountered anyone who gave me a clear and valid explanation concerning what the gospel is, as I see it, who gave me a clear explanation of the objective of the Christian life, as I understand it, and so I personally am not impressed by people's proclamation that a person can walk away from God, or they can fall away from the faith, I haven't seen that. Of those who I have known, who have truly understood and embraced the gospel, I've never encountered anyone who has stepped away from the faith, and I feel very comfortable in saying that in a public setting such as this. When I understand that there are hundreds of thousands of people who are listening to me say this, I have spoken with enough people that I am willing to speak to that many people, having confidence in my position concerning this. If you don't feel comfortable with the position that I have taken, I would like to, of course, encourage you to clearly define what you believe the gospel is and understand the different gospels that other people believe in. And you go talk to people. You go find people who have left the faith. And if you find people who you feel have really believed truly believe the gospel, were truly saved, and they walked away from the faith and committed spiritual suicide, all I can say is, good for you. But I am still waiting. I am waiting for someone, anyone, who would give me some evidence that would show that that would be the case. Now, I understand that there are many verses in the scriptures concerning this topic that people have used in order to establish their positions, justify their positions concerning this, I read these verses differently. I have taken the time to explore the verses that many people have brought up concerning this in order to prove their position, prove it from their point of view. I have examined these verses. I will spend some time addressing some of these verses in the next program. I'll do that. But this doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with you concerning what the intent or the meaning of these verses truly are and so I understand the necessity to go through the scriptures and address these individual passages. But in this program, I just wanted to take the time to mention that regardless of what the Bible may say concerning this subject, I have not yet witnessed, I have not yet seen anyone who would convince me that they had salvation and they lost it. On the other hand, I know of many people, a lot of people, who have been saved, who have not left the faith, who have had a clear understanding of the gospel, have been born again by the Spirit, they have matured, they have grown, they have grown to know their God, and they have experienced a significant change in their lives personally to the extent where they have spoken with great conviction to me concerning their faith to the extent where I see plenty of evidence to show that there are people who would never consider turning away from the living God and abandoning the faith that they have entered into. Now, having said all of that, I did mention in the previous program that there are different Gospels. There are different beliefs concerning what the Gospel is. And I will take some time right now to address some of these Gospels, because if you consider a different Gospel, absolutely, I have encountered lots of people who have left the faith, who have fallen from the faith, who have lost the salvation that they thought that they had, that they defined according to their gospel. I have found lots of people like that, but not according to the gospel that I believe in. In this program, I'm going to address two different gospels. The first one is the gospel of forgiveness, which I mentioned briefly in the previous program. The gospel by forgiveness alone. If you believe that salvation is obtained because you have been forgiven, I'm not willing to say that you're wrong. However, I will say that you are a bit incomplete. I am willing to say that. I believe that forgiveness is necessary for salvation, but I do not believe that forgiveness in and of itself is salvation. It's my position that forgiveness is what makes salvation possible, but it is not salvation. It makes salvation possible in the sense that if there is no sin that will be held against us anymore, then there is no sin that will cause the Holy Spirit to depart from within us. But if a person believes that the gospel is salvation by forgiveness alone, then there is an opportunity. For a person to believe that they can lose their salvation, this certainly does not happen in all cases, but it does happen in some cases. In some cases, if a person believes that they obtain salvation by forgiveness because they have been forgiven, then here's the problem. The problem has to do with the sins that you commit after you have been saved. That's where the problem begins to surface, because. If the wages of sin is death, if that is truly the wages of sin, if the wages of sin is death, then you will have to reduce the seriousness of sin in order to resolve the concerns of the future sins that a person will commit. Again, in order to address the future sins that a person will commit after they have been saved you will have to reduce the seriousness of sin. In most cases, the way that people reduce the seriousness of sin is by saying things like, don't worry if you commit a sin, just confess your sins, ask for forgiveness, and He will provide you with forgiveness for those sins. Now, of course, the topic of forgiveness is a very important one, which is why I produced a very lengthy series on the topic of forgiveness, and I cannot cover... This subject in depth in this program. All I can do with the time I have right now is to say that the reduction of the seriousness of sin, the consequences of sin, is, in my opinion, unacceptable. But this is what a person will generally do when they believe in a gospel of salvation by forgiveness alone. When a person takes that position, they will have to resolve the concerns of future sins, and this is where A lot of debate begins to take place between those who have different views of what the gospel is. Now, the other gospel that I would like to mention in this program is the gospel of holiness, or at least that's how I describe this specific gospel. The gospel of holiness, as I define it, is a message of the good news that God will either inspire you or empower you to live a life to the extent where you will stop sinning, where you will get the sin out of your life. And as a result of you accomplishing this through his help in some magical way, through accomplishing this, you will then achieve a state of holiness. And if you have achieved this state of holiness, then God will allow you to enter into his kingdom. You will be saved. The challenge of this gospel, of course, is that you will never know if you will be saved until the last day, until the day when you stand before your God after you physically die. It is only then that you will know if you will be saved or not saved. Well, according to the gospel of holiness, if you are not holy enough, then you won't be saved. So, how holy do you need to be? Well, that depends on who you ask, of course. And there are lots of people that you can ask who believe in this gospel of holiness who will give you different answers. They will say things like, well, all you have to do is obey the Ten Commandments, or all you have to do is obey the Ten Commandments plus a few others that I give you, or all you have to do is obey all 613 commandments, and that will be adequate. My point is, is that, there is a lot of variation concerning the criteria that a person will issue when it comes to the gospel of holiness. There is no absolute definition for that, which means that you're going to have a lot of opportunities for confusion, a lot of opportunities for debate, because, first of all, you're not going to necessarily get an adequate list concerning what your obligations are in order to achieve this state of holiness that people claim that you are going to have to achieve, either that, or how are you ever going to have enough confidence that you have achieved what is required? So either you don't have a complete list of all the requirements that you are going to be evaluated by, or you're probably never going to have any certainty with regards to whether you successfully achieve holiness to the extent that will be necessary in order to stand before God and say things like, you have to let me in because I got rid of all of the sin in my life. Or at least I got rid of enough sin in my life. Well, maybe not as much as I could have gotten rid of, but at least I got rid of more sin than this other person did. And so since you let this person into your kingdom, you're going to have to let me in also because comparatively... I lived a much holier life than that person did. These are the kinds of discussions that you're going to end up with. And let me tell you, this is not difficult to deal with. The issue is, is that you are never going to achieve holiness to the standard that God requires. That's the bottom line. You're never going to be able to achieve that. If anyone tells me that they have successfully achieved enough holiness that they can stand before God and claim that they are holy enough to enter into the kingdom of God because of what they have done or what they have not done, then my view of that individual is that they are a liar and the truth is not in them. And I would be very concerned about the response that God would give that person who speaks to him that way, who tells him that they have a right to enter into the kingdom of God because of their holiness that they managed to achieve by overcoming their flesh. That, to me, does not sound very reliable. Because I know humanity well enough to know that we are never going to be able to achieve a state of holiness to that extent. That simply is not going to happen. So when I go through the scriptures and I look at the individual verses that are in the scriptures, I will sort these scriptures out in two ways. One way, of course, is to examine the scriptures and sort them on the basis of this belief that a person can achieve holiness. There are many passages in the scriptures that refer to eternal life, that refer to salvation, that encourage people to try to live a life of holiness. I understand that. I know where they are. I know what they say. But the way that I view these verses is very different from the way that other people view these verses. The way that other people view these verses is by looking at them and considering them to be the admonition, considering them to be the encouragement, the directive, the command, and you had better succeed. You had better do it. The way that I view these verses is that these are commands that are issued in order to encourage people to try to give it their best effort so that they will eventually come to the point of recognizing that they cannot succeed. At that point, they will be able to honestly and openly turn to the Lord and prayerfully speak to him with conviction, expressing the truth that there is no way That they are going to be able to fulfill what was described in the scriptures concerning what they would need to do in order to obtain eternal life, which means that there is only one alternative, His mercy, His grace. That this would be the only way out, the only alternative, because a person will fully acknowledge that the pursuit of holiness, the gospel of holiness, will never be achieved. Now I do of course recognize that if a person is a born again believer, then I would expect there to be a significant change in their life to the extent where they witness a reduction of sin in their lives. I of course have a lot to say about that. I did three programs on the topic of overcoming sin that you can hear in my radio archive concerning this subject. But this is not the same message that I have heard from those who believe in what I refer to as the gospel of holiness, what they are saying is that the Lord is going to empower them to achieve a state of holiness that will be satisfactory to provide them with salvation. And I've never seen any evidence that would convince me that there's any truth to that at all. People can be very well-meaning. They may have good intentions. They may have great conviction, believing that that's the truth. But to me, the evidence is clear that it will only be a matter of time before they will be confronted with the truth that they are not experiencing enough of a change in order to stand before God and have confidence that they are going to obtain salvation under that criteria. This, of course, could take longer for some people than others. In fact, it could very well be that most of the people will die before that time limit is finally achieved. But that's how I view the issue. I view the issue from that point of view, that it is impossible to achieve salvation with that gospel. To me, it might sound holy. They may be able to proof text it well. I could do that. But in the end, the only conclusion that I see is that this is wishful thinking. The other issue that needs to be considered is that there is a strong distinction. To me, there is a clear distinction between the Old and the New Covenants. Now, this, of course corresponds well to the doctrine of holiness or the gospel of holiness because, in my opinion, from what I have seen, in general, the reason why people believe they have held on to this gospel of holiness is because they do not understand the distinction between the Old and the New Covenants, to understand there is a difference between the two. What eventually gets created is a hybrid of the Old and the New Covenants to the extent where you either have the Old Covenant or you have Old Covenant light. That's what I mean by the hybridization, where they take the law and they take grace and they combine certain percentages of law and grace in order to get their description of what the New Covenant means. And of course, there are many variations when it comes to that, where there are people who live by a lot of law And then there are other people who don't live by a whole lot of law but do rely a lot on grace. But their message of salvation will still lead them to a conditional salvation, it's just that some will have more conditions than others. But that to me is a very important topic. I have done a program on this topic titled Everlasting Covenant, which is a good introduction to how I distinguish between the Old and the New Covenants when a person does not clearly distinguish between the two, then they will not be able to successfully sort the verses in the scriptures that are written to refer to those who are under the Old Covenant and those that are written to those who have embraced or who have surrendered to the New Covenant. And this, of course, was a very important issue in the early church. As people were beginning to let go of the Old Covenant and embrace the New Covenant, there was a lot of confusion. There were many concerns as people were making this adjustment. And so you will find these verses that need to be considered and need to be addressed throughout the New Testament, not just in the Gospels, but also in the letters that were written by the Apostle Paul, the letter to the Hebrews, the letter to the Romans, because he was addressing people and addressing the concerns of these people that were making this transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And I will continue with this in the next program.